Thank you for listening to Lawfully Ever After. I'm your host, Julie Potts. And please remember that this is not legal advice. This is meant to be informative and educational as you navigate one of the hardest times in your lives. So today, let's talk about videotaping your kids. And I don't mean at the ballet recital. That's a lot different. I mean at custody exchanges or asking your kids on camera, what do they want so that you think you're giving it to either the judge, the hearing officer or your lawyer. So a lot of times people will come in, call and say, hey, my kid doesn't want to go see their mom or dad. And I video them. And I instantly say, that's the dumbest thing you should do. And then they get mad at me and then we get into why. So here's the reason why I'm telling people this. When you videotape your kid, number one, you have implied that they have an audience. And when you have an audience, what are you supposed to do? Perform. And they know what you are expecting them to say. So for example, let's just say Jenny doesn't want to go with her mom. And that parent is of the mindset that that's right. So dad picks up the camera and says, okay, Jenny, I want to show this to my lawyer so that they know it's not me. Tell me what you just said or tell me what you want to say or something like that. Well, now Jenny has a phone, presumably pointed at her, her father in this hypothetical telling her what he wants to hear. And then what is a kid going to do? Most kids and almost all kids are people pleasing. So she's going to get on the video and say, I don't want to go with mommy. Mommy is mean. And then now he comes in and shows it to his lawyer. And if his lawyer goes, great, I'm going to show this to the judge or the uh, other lawyer, you got a bad lawyer. Because your lawyer shouldn't be doing that. Your kid should not be involved. Your kid should not be litigants. Again, there's always exceptions, not to the videoing necessarily. I, I don't ever think it's a good idea to video. I guess if there was a dispute that you were afraid of, like, I don't know, I, I guess there's always exceptions. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I would tell my client, I don't want to see it. I'm not looking at it. I'm not getting involved. Like your kid should not, you are the adult. Who's on the caption of a custody case, right? It's not you and your ex and your three, four, five, six kids. It's you and the other adult. Be the adult. So that is one of the common times we see videos trying to come in. Have you ever seen a video come to a case? Oh, yeah. And how did the judge react to it? So I had a very recently a case where custody exchange parent is saying that the child doesn't want to go with the other parent. And in order to, quote unquote, prove it, the other parent's uh, fiance is standing there at night videoing for an hour, an hour. And the testimony was, I can't make them go. I, I can't. And the judge was not happy. The judge said when he did speak to the child, because the parent who videoed said, I don't think she knew. Mind you, on the video, he was saying things that the child shouldn't hear. So the judge came back from talking to the child and said, the kid knew she was being videoed and she's 10. And part of my cross-examination was basically what I just said. When you have a camera pointed at you, you're implied that you need to perform. So the judge was very unhappy. Actually, it helped my case because on the video, the things that he was saying proved my point, not his. This person definitely has, a, a, I think, the wrong approach. And I think the attorney did a terrible service to the case by pr putting those videos up there. The judge, no, the judge doesn't want to see it. The ju judges and hearing officers don't want these kids in the middle. 
Um, and so if it were me, I would have said, I'm not doing that. You can testify that the kid doesn't want to go. You can testify. You don't, don't video it. Your kid is in the middle. I think it's terrible for the kid. I'd be interested to hear what a therapist has to say, but it's terrible for the kid. So it happens a lot. And, and like I said, there's bad lawyers, in my opinion, who will say that's fine. And again, there's probably an exception that I'm not going to pop into my head right now, but I, I never think it's a good idea. Are there kind of along the same lines, although not with kids, do you see couples trying to secretly record each other to catch arguments? And are there, I, I think there's rules against recording people who don't know they're being recorded. And how, how does that come into play with some of this stuff? Yeah, people try to record each other all the time. And I haven't practiced criminal law in 15 years, but I can say that absolutely there are laws. And in Pennsylvania in particular, it's a two-party consent. In other words, you have to knowingly consent to the recording, which is why when you call Verizon or whoever, they say this phone call will be recorded for quality assurance, blah, 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 blah. You can hang up the phone at that point. You don't have to consent to that, but that's why they do it. So if you are surreptitiously recording your spouse and you think that's going to come anywhere. Number one, well, you've just committed a felony. <laughs> so that's a problem. And then number two, again, your attorney should not be using that, sending it in any way. Keep in mind, right, wrong, or indifferent. It's not uncommon. There are attorneys who think that's going to help their case. And I have only seen one time in the past 10 years someone be prosecuted for recording. And they were prosecuted for recording the other person, but one out of a lot. I, I tell people this with text messages. They'll say, he said I could have the kids this weekend. Or let's just say there's not a custody order. And he said I could have full custody. And here's the text to prove it. Well, look, uh, unless there's a dispute as to what he said, I don't need to prove everything with a text message. I don't have to prove everything with a recording. I don't have to prove everything with a photograph. Your testimony is evidence. The text message could be helpful if that person refutes it and says, I never said that. And there you go and impeach that person and say, oh, really? Here's your text message, right? Or however you're going to get it through in the evidentiary mechanisms on who's testifying. But in any event, yeah, you don't have to prove everything with a video or a recording or a text message or an email. People need to stop thinking like advocates. Let your lawyer do their job, right? You, there's a reason that we have our job. There's a reason that we're here to guide you. If your attorney thinks it's a good idea to record for whatever reason, that's a different discussion. But don't go and start recording your significant others or your kids. It's a terrible idea. It's only creating more issues. It's adding fuel to a fire. What I've told people to do, especially with custody, I will say, look, if they say, well, this happened and this happened, and maybe they came in and said, I recorded it, I would say, look, go back, get a Google calendar, a fill in the blank calendar, and as accurately as you can, go back and write down what happened. So on August 31st, Jenny said to me, I don't want to go to my mom's because my mom makes me clean my room. Um, that way you can remember, just, I can't remember what I'm going to the grocery store for some days. So memorializing it for your benefit to recall is a lot different than recording it. I've told clients to do notes on their phone or a Google calendar. And I say that because then I can use it in court potentially, either as a demonstrative evidence to say, hey, court, look, this is what this person did or to refresh their recollection. If I say, you know, what on August 31st, first, did your daughter say something to you about what she was feeling. Yes. What was it? And if you don't recall, then I can show you that and say, if I show you your log, 
you know, would that refresh your recollection? Yes. Okay. Then you look at it and then I take it back and then you can testify. So it's not to say not to record it. It's not to say to document, but it's for your benefit. But when you put your kids in the position of being recorded or you are, like I said, recording your significant other without their knowledge, permission, or consent, number one, you've likely committed a felony, (laughs) but also it's not going to get you anywhere. And keep in mind, the other reason that it doesn't help is because this is not emotional court, right? Like this is an emotional issue. Of course, there's issues. Abuse is a different discussion, but this isn't who's morally right and wrong. No parent's perfect, whether or not you would handle it that way, however the other person did. It's not going to get you anywhere. So memorialize it, jot it down, keep your Google calendar, keep your notes, but stop putting your kids in the middle because recording it just puts the kids in the middle. And it's funny, this just happened recently, in the past week or two. My son plays soccer, and I said to my husband, like, who wants to take him to soccer? And we both were kind of like, well, I can or I can. And I don't remember why we were, someone had to go somewhere else. And I said, like, it was just like driving them to the movies or something. And I said, well, let's ask, my son's name's Kieran, let's ask Kieran who he wants to take him to soccer. And my husband goes, I don't want to put him in the middle. He, he would feel like he was stuck picking. And I kind of stopped. Because I'm like, this is a silly example. We're a happily married, intact household. But yeah, my son would have felt in the middle. He would feel bad if he said mom. He'd feel bad if he said dad. He didn't have the right answer. And that's like the silliest example. But my husband was right. So we decided, be the adult. And that's the silly example. But if you're in a divorce and it's contentious and there's litigation, and then you put that pressure on that kid, well, you might as well give them, you know, give them that stone to roll up and down the hill like Sisyphus or whatever that is because you're just torturing them love your kid more than you hate your ex that's the best thing to think of think about what is in their best interest pause hesitate what I want to go through this as a kid and you know unless the person is like really the big bad wolf like you picked them like I don't have to tell you like this is who you picked to be your parent your child's parent so Go with the grain. Do your best to work with what you got as opposed to try to fight who's already there. That's their dad. That's their mom, whoever it is. Love your kid more than you hate your ex. That's the best advice anybody could give a custody litigant. Let your kids be kids. And you have to take into account not just like the sensitive kid who's going to feel put in the middle because he doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, the strong-willed kid who's going, I don't want rules. I don't want boundaries. They're not think they're not saying that I don't want to not have my phone in my room. And I don't want to be told I have to get off the Xbox or the computer. So I want to go with the parent who's more lenient. Well, that doesn't mean that the other parents a bad parent because they're enforcing rules. And it's not to say that that person's a good parent for not enforcing rules. Kids try to pit their parents against each other in the same house. They'll do it in my house. Mom, dad said you could buy me an electric scooter. Steve, did you say to buy an electric scooter? I said he could ask for it for Christmas, that kind of thing. But they're learning to try to control their environment. They're learning how to be advocates for themselves. But don't ask them who they prefer. Because they honestly, the truth is they prefer both of you. And if they had it their way, they wouldn't be in the middle and their parents wouldn't be getting a divorce. That's what they want. So unless you can give them that, don't ask them. I think a lot of kids might just choose the path of least resistance. Maybe they would think mom's feelings won't get hurt as bad as dad's. Like or they're gonna, one stronger than the other. Right. So they're going to look for that, like, what's best for me, where I don't feel guilty and I get what I want. And it could be I don't want to go with that other parent. But like you said, it doesn't mean that they're a bad parent. It's just the kid interpreting the situation that way. People will come in and say, this person did this and this and this. And I usually let it go a little bit. And there have been times that we file emergency custody petitions. This person should not have custody. Those do happen. But more often than not, I'm like, yeah, so I do that in my house. And it's normal. Last night, my daughter, 
I didn't get home from work till eight and she hadn't eaten and she didn't know what she wanted. I offered to make her chicken patty sandwich. So then at like 9.15, I'm like, did you eat? And she was like, yeah, I ate a red velvet cake. I was like, you know what? Fine. If I'm in a custody litigation, Steve could come in and she doesn't feed our children. She ate red velvet cake. Like, come on, you know, like the courts also hear like the worst of the worst and they hear of truly tragic circumstances and more often than not in custody litigation you might feel like it's a tragic circumstance and I'm not undermining it but the court's perspective is a lot lower of a bar than you might think such as red velvet cake for dinner guess what she survived she's alive today and she's gonna be fine she'll get a healthier meal this weekend whatever pick your battles I think that's a unique perspective that you get in your job as a lawyer and judges and hearing officers, they all do get to see how bad it can really be. Mm-hmm. And people that are coming to you don't see that every day. Oh. So as their lawyer, you have the perspective of being like, red velvet cake for dinner isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, I saw a kid who hasn't eaten in a week and you're complaining because she had red velvet cake or something. So yeah. you have that perspective. And I would think most lawyers would have that perspective. We There are truly serious emergencies where there is mental health, issues on a parent or abuse issues like those are not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the normal household we're talking about the bell curve the the norm right I'm not talking about the extremes but we do hear the extremes and and those are the ones that we have the perspective and that's the benefit of having somebody represent you who has experience who has perspective and also can tell you like like I've said this before like you you are paying somebody to tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear there's been plenty of cases where, although the judges are a little bit more diplomatic than I might be, they're saying, read the room, you know, and if your lawyer isn't ever giving you, okay, yes, okay, yes, okay, yes, not kind of checking you, that's part of their job is to be like, no, that's not a problem. Right. You picking, might not like it, because yeah. I think people often are desperate and, and understandably so, and they pick a lawyer, and I think it's an important relationship. And I appreciate the clients are like, yeah, I don't like what you're telling me, but I'm glad I know that so that I don't hurt my kid anymore and waste their time and money because it's expensive. And I just said to someone this week, you can pay me the money to go to trial, but you're going to lose. So take that money and go and invest it in a house that you can afford. And whether or not that person listens to me, if I was like, oh, yeah, go ahead, we'll go, we'll win. Well, then I just took their money and they lost and I didn't give them a reasonable expectation. They need to trust that you're being honest with it's not worth fighting over because I'm sure they feel like they want to win every little thing. Yeah. And there's really no winning in custody. There's just not. And the other thing is not just like we hear tough and sad things as, as uh, attorneys. The people who hear your cases generally have kids. So they generally have had the night where they feed their kid the red velvet cupcake. And they've had the times when the kids say, yeah, dad said you could buy me an electric scooter. And then the mom doesn't check and goes and buy whatever. They've all been to places where they've lost their temper and said things they regret. They're human. Your audiences are parents who have the perspective to say, I wasn't perfect either, so I'm not going to expect perfection out of the people in my courtroom. I've said to other parents, if we're all judged on our worst parenting moment, we'd all be fucked, right? You judge me on my worst parenting day, I'm not going to look like the best parent, but hopefully 97 to 9% of the time, I'm within a good range. So don't judge your other side for their worst parenting moment and then video your kid and go, see... Because you're now creating a memory that is unnecessary and you're giving to future therapists and lawyers in the future. Break the cycle. Stop it. And don't record the worst parenting moment either. If you expect that of them, they're going to expect it of you. Right. There are obviously true alcoholics and alcohol issues. 
Then there's times when there's not. And they're like, well, I don't want them to drink. Okay, well, then you're not allowed to drink. Well, I don't have a problem. Well, you're telling me they don't have a problem. You just don't like it. So you can't have it both ways. So if you want to be restricted, okay, well, then what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if you want to record your kid saying the worst thing about their parents, well, then expect it for you. That becomes the pissing match. And then again, the only people who win are the people who are pushing that case and litigating it and therefore the lawyers. So if your lawyer is not giving you that check, then they're there for the money. They're not there for you. And kids aren't going to say nice things 100% of the time. No, no. Kids feel wronged by having to clean their room, right? You could be the close to perfect parent and they're still going to be mad at stuff that you decide and And things that you do. Yes, it should be that way. (laughs) Your kid shouldn't be like, I got easy street all the time, you know, but that's our job. And it also could be they had a bad day at school and then the parent says, scoop the litter box because that's my biggest pet peeve right now is my one kid often forgets the litter box she might freak out on me when I say hey just scoop the poop but she's freaking out because she had a bad day not because I asked her to scoop the poop because kids are holding their shit together all day at school and they go through at least middle schoolers are going through eight classes and eight teachers and the, the school social stuff and like look that's exhausting and they come home and then they really need time to decompress before their mom says did you scoop the poop which I generally do but you know she's like well, that's not me. That's not her hating her mother. That's her being human. No? That's not being a bad parent. Correct. That's having a rule and enforcing right. it and having a boundary right. and then and their again, emotions with it. And if it was fine when you were an intact household, well, that, and you can't now come complain about it later. Right. Well, I was afraid to say anything. Okay, well, I, I don't know how to help you. Like, there's only so much I can do. As, as your attorney, we can only do so much. And again, it's not a court of morality. It's not a court of perfection. No one is expecting the perfect parent. We're all human. Mm-hmm. And the court knows that whatever you expect of the other person, ask if you would want that same expectation. And if you're recording your child and asking them to tell you things, would you want that happening to you? And you know the answer to that. I, I don't have to say it. it. It doesn't help. I've seen hearing officers say, I'm not seeing it. I'm not looking at it. And that's, that's kind of refreshing because they're like, I-, I can flesh this out without it. And actually, it makes you look bad. It kind of makes you look like you're parentifying the child and putting them in the middle and making them make a choice. And even if it's to your benefit, it's going to be given minimal weight because the court looks at like that. That's why we have the scales. It's the, that's how they weigh things. The child who's a mature 15 year old coming in and saying, I love both my parents, but I feel more comfortable with my mom's or my dad's because of legitimate reasons. And I want to be there more than the other one. OK, that's going to go somewhere. That's going to have more weight than a video where the parent is holding it, recording them and saying, okay, now perform little monkey, which they're not saying, but that's the, that's the implication. Your kids need you to be the adult and they might be recording their friends and putting it on TikTok, but you don't need to do that. It just goes back to thinking about your kid first. And and it's, it's hard when you're in a breakup. I'm not suggesting these are easy, but the two takeaways I think are if we were all judged on our worst parenting moment, we'd all be screwed. And love your kid more than you hate your ex. That's the only way to get through it. And and if you do that, if you do those two things, you're going to get through it faster with less damage and a lot less money spent. So that's my takeaway. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. Bye.